Drive Time on RTE Radio 1, sponsored by Zurich. When investment performance matters, make sure your savings are with Zurich. Visit zurich.ie to find out more. Now to Limerick, first of all, this afternoon, because hospital overcrowding records have been broken three times in the space of two weeks at University Hospital Limerick with 150 patients on trolleys today. The INMO, the Irish Nurses and Midwives Organisation, has said patients are being placed on trolleys in all available spaces there, leading to a completely congested hospital with no patient movement, they say, to access beds in what are unacceptable and dangerous conditions, in uh, the INMO's words. The highest trolley watch figures ever uh, to come in one week after the family of 21-year-old Eve Cleary settled a high court case against the HSE over her death following discharge from the University of Limerick Hospital in 2019. Drive Time's John Cook met her grieving parents today and joins us from our Limerick studio now. John, uh, tell me a little bit more about the late Eve Cleary. 21-year-old Eve Cleary from Corbally in Limerick died from blood clots in her lungs, Cormac, after being discharged from the University Hospital Limerick in July of 2019, where she had attended the previous day after injuring uh, her leg in a fall, as you'll hear shortly. But when I met her, her father Barry and mother Melanie today, we first spoke about their kind and gorgeous, music-loving, happy-go-lucky eldest daughter, looked up to and adored by her younger brother and four sisters. She worked in a shoe shop, lived at home and was enjoying life with her boyfriend as any 21-year-old might. After severe pain in her legs following the fall on Friday night, at July 19th, her parents and boyfriend Mark brought her to the emergency department at the University of Limerick Hospital. So I asked Melanie to describe the busy accident and emergency department at that time. On the Friday, I know that there was 50 people on trolleys, but the, Saturday, the weekends, the numbers aren't counted. So in my head, there was more than 50 there. It was chaotic. There was people everywhere just lined up and down the corridors. The smell was the first thing that hit us when we got in there. Someone had urinated in a sink beside where Eve was and the smell was absolutely, it would make it rise water. She was just really pale and tired and even basics like a blanket or a pillow she didn't have. Um, She used her hoodie around her and I took my cardigan off and put it behind her head. And at this stage she'd had an x-ray but her leg was still very swollen. But to be in that overcrowded situation, those conditions, how did she feel or what did she say to you? She was very uncomfortable and she was complaining a lot of pins and needles in her toes because at first we were thinking, well, maybe it's because the way her legs were positioned because the trolley was sitting forward, Mm -hmm. so her legs were bent. And we were thinking maybe it was that... And I remember trying to move her right leg and she'd said, oh God, ma'am, don't touch it. I can't bear it, don't touch my leg. She was very not herself. She was crying a lot, which was very unlike her as well because she would be a really private Mm -hmm. girl that wouldn't have kind of cried outwardly. This went on. How long was she on the trolley? 17 hours. She rang me at around 11.30 to say that she didn't know what was going on. She wanted to come home. No one was coming to her. She didn't get a cup of tea or anything. And these are like little things, you know. And when I think back now, this was like 12 hours before her death, you know. Mm-hmm. So I told her to stay there and she told me she would. So I made my way back out again to her. She got moved to a bed. She got moved to a bed at around 3.30. That was on the 20th. The nurses were really concerned uh, about the size of her leg and the colour of her leg. So they had put pillows under her and went out 
to ring a doctor to come up and look again. Mm-hmm. How did it look? It was really, really viciously red. It was. I remember Barry describing it as a Christmas ham. It was. It was just getting bigger by the hour. And the family were getting more worried, Melanie told me. Later on that evening, on Saturday, July 20th, Eve was seen by a number of uh, doctors in uh, the hospital at University Hospital Limerick. And on being told that scans were clear later, she was sent home after 8.30, though still in severe pain, her mum said. She went to bed around 11.15 that night, but at about 11.45, half an hour later, Eve's boyfriend called Melanie and Barry to come quickly. Uh, They found Eve in distress as she went into cardiac arrest on the stairs of their home? At first I thought it was some sort of um, a fit she was having um, and then when I saw him thump her chest and start chest compressions I realised quite quickly this isn't, this is a heart attack. She um, she came to the first time. You called an ambulance? Yeah, the ambulance was already on its way at that mm. point. Um, was she able to speak to you when she came through? Yeah, she was. Um, Eve... The second time she had the cardiac arrest just before it happened, um, she called me and the ambulance crew were saying to me, come over, she wants to tell you something. And I was begging her, you know, to stay because I could see in her lovely eyes that she wasn't right. And I told her she was the best girl, she was the best thing that ever happened to all of us and how much I loved her. She kept shaking her head no. And I said, I said to her, please, Eve, stay. And she said to me, I'm so sorry, ma'am. That was it. She never regained consciousness again. I'm so sorry, ma'am. Yeah. She was sorry and she did the right thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And that was the reality of the situation. I think I knew by even the colour of her eyes that she wasn't going to come back. Mm-hmm. You got to hospital but there was nothing could be done. No, the fantastic resource team worked on her and worked on her. And in the finish, it was me that had actually said to stop because I know it's natural in CPR. At times you can hear ribs breaking, but I knew by Eve's eyes and her face that she wasn't there anymore. And I knew she wouldn't have wanted all of that anyway. I can't imagine what that's like for you to, to come to that realisation as a parent, Melanie. Looking back at it now, you imagine like you'd scream or I remember just sitting there staring straight ahead. I didn't know what was happening. Mm-hmm. You must miss her terribly. Every day, every day we miss her. She was so, so loud and funny. Our house is so quiet. That's a heartbreaking loss for Melanie Cleary and her family. Um, she's hoping, John, for change at Limerick University Hospital in the wake of Eve's death. That's right, Cormac. Um, Melanie and the Cleary family are hoping for vast improvements in emergency care for patients uh, throughout three counties in the Midwest and that maybe that might be a legacy to their beloved daughter. But they've been told that some changes uh, will happen at the hospital in Limerick. And during the High Court case, uh, which ended in settlement last week, uh, a medical expert on the Cleary side had argued that if Eve Cleary had been risk assessed for clots and given an anticoagulant, it might have prevented her from developing the blood clot in her lungs, which led to her cardiac arrest and death. The HSE had denied all these claims and defended the case over seven days. In a statement following the settlement of the case uh, without admission of liability, the hospital extended its sincere condolences and deep regret to Eve's family on her untimely death. It said it had taken on board the issues and concerns raised by the Clearys and wanted to reassure them 
within the hospital group strives at all times to optimise patient care. And it said it would be introducing a rolling audit programme on a quarterly basis on recognising, reducing and managing venous thromboembolisms on a quarterly basis in memory of Eve Cleary and in the spirit and name of her legacy and that its findings would be shared with the UL Hospitals Group Governance Group uh, to inform quality improvement programmes across the hospital group. Now Melanie is pleased to hear about that and wants to know that this new procedures and protocols on clotting uh, will be implemented she would like from the point of triage at hospitals. But she wants these changes as many people do in this region uh, to go further at the University of Limerick Hospital because when I met Melanie today and we'd been talking about meeting uh, for for quite some time uh, for this interview she told me that she'd heard on the radio again this morning about another record for patients on trolleys and the worsening overcrowding situation at the emergency department in Limerick so I asked Melanie for her thoughts on hearing of 150 patients uh, without a bed there at the hospital today. Well that's triple the amount of people that were there um, on the Friday Eve was all these patients are people and I think that's not been recognised I think we've become immune to it and we can't because this is our health this is so important um, our A&E's need to be reopened St John's, Ennis Nina I don't understand why there's such a, a brick wall coming up about this um, Do you think that's the solution that and that's the problem, that three emergency departments, one in Limerick City, one in Tipperary and Nina, one in County Clare and Ennis, were, were closed. It goes back 15 years ago now. Yeah, I do. I think to expect all of us to filter into one, you know, A&E is, how did they expect this to work without these tragedies happening? How did they think this was going to work without putting other provisions in place, you know? There doesn't seem to be any political will to go back to that or clinical will either because we're told that this was about having a safe emergency department, one large centre of excellence for the region. As it was billed, it's now Ireland's most overcrowded emergency department over and over and over again, 150 um, today. There is a new hospital manager for this region. There's a number of investigations ongoing into different incidents at the hospital in Limerick. Do you think anything is changing and will change, Melanie? I hope it will. I still have hope that it will change, but I don't see how it will change if the RA and he's aren't reopened. I mean, these are young women here that we're talking about. These are children. You know, these are our daughters. Where is the outrage here for our daughters, you know? Why should we have to fight so hard when we're so grief-stricken? You know, the fight me and Barry and our children have put up has been on our own with a legal team that, you know, that we've gotten to know over the years. But, you know, no one was willing to speak up for our child except us. And that's so wrong. For 150 people on trolleys today or for 138 yesterday, as you said, for all the people who continue to go through this situation, what would you say now to those politicians, to the government, to the HSE? Let's say wake up and why aren't we important in the Midwest? If this was in Dublin, there would be outrage and that is Melanie Cleary, mother of the late Eve Cleary, speaking with her reporter, John Cook. We'll have more to come on the overcrowding situation at University Hospital Limerick after five.